they're here now so we can go. We're going to talk about this interesting subject matter of called godliness. And she's leaving already? <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. So I didn't write down the Greek word for the word godliness. And Adrian, we're going to tell stories about Anya because she's she was part of my part of my Sunday school lesson. She's 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 amazing, Adrian. I'm just going to tell you that. Sort of like amazing, like Zoe, but Anya amazing instead of Zoe amazing because they both are amazing, just different. <laughs> I'll stare at Let's all stare at Zoe. So. This, this definition of the word godliness um, in the concordance is, it says, reverence, respect, and piety towards God. So once I hit that, I stop because when you talk about piety, it takes me back to being in Catholic church and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't understand that word. <laughs> so, you know, I kept following the word back. And it, it goes back to a word that means dutiful. And then that goes back to do words, which the first word, ooh, or you, means well. And the second word, seb am ahi, which means to revere, to worship, or to adore. So then you take that and you pray a lot, a lot, until you get a definition that works for a son. And that's what I put on your page <laughs> because, you know, that's really what, what godliness is. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a persona. It's not a, um, you know, Annette so godly. You know, Vicky is the most godly woman I know. It's not that kind of a thing, how people portray it. Portray it. It's really what, the, what, what I put on your thing. It's... it's you know, a true devotion and adoration and respect towards God and functioning in that as a son. So can you have godliness that doesn't fit that definition? Absolutely. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Am I ringing? No? Okay, cool. And so, um, you know, I put more as I continued to look at scriptures and all that, but it, in being uh, having godliness is a dedication and commitment to the purpose and plan of God. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, that, that fits for me too. And then it is committing ourselves totally to do the father's bidding. It is our dedication to duty to the father. So it's, it's a verb in the fact that there's action that, that accompanies, you know, the, the word. It's not a, it's not just something that you plunk on somebody, uh, like an adverb, no, adjective, thank you. It, it, it is what you do. So <clears throat> it's like the, um, it's muscle memory in the spirit. How about that? <laughs> and so uh, along with that comes a lot of interesting things, but for sure there's authority and power that God operates within you when you're walking in this devotion, this adoration, this worship towards God and towards his plans and purpose. And, and we're going to look at, you know, some, I'm going to say, we're going to look at one of the most famous scriptures about this at the end. I didn't mean to put it at the end, but it's at the end. But it doesn't occur a lot in, in I mean, it occurs a lot, but not a lot. Like 10 times, I think, it occurs in the New Testament which maybe that's a lot. And so I put in the first occurrence of it because I found it very interesting that the first occurrence of godliness did not appear in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because, of course, I would have thought that that adjective, but also this concept would have been there with, and Jesus would have spoken of it in some way. But the first time it shows up is in Acts, and not only in Acts, it happens at the very beginning where the church becomes, you know, right after the Holy Spirit comes down and, you know, tongues of fire and everyone's speaking in a language and all that kind of fun stuff. Well, I think it was fun. Anyway, all that kind of fun stuff. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> I have to look over there. and Every now and again, can make sure he's with me. 
I can't see Zoe because you're in the way. There she is. Hi, Zoe, you with me? Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, so it, it happens at the beginning of the church. So I thought that was really, I, I got to look at this one. So here it is in Acts 3 on your paper. And it says, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wonder, wondering. And this called Solomon's greatly wondering. I can read. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, and that's our word, that means godliness, we had made this man to walk. So there's this lame man, and, and Peter's walking in with John, and he asked them for whatever, money, healing, and, and they reach out and they, and they give them what they can give them. And when you look at the scripture that, that we just read, and Peter standing before all these people, they're like, there's people that have rushed in. They're gathering around and he's trying to, he's going to explain to them what's going on. And they're looking at, it, at him as though it's by his own power and by his own godliness or his own holiness that this occurred. It had obviously it had nothing to do with that, but in this in this factor when when he said when he states this, it makes me makes me wonder and made me wonder how people can get confused even in their own lives between what they would call godliness on their own, on what God calls or defines as godliness. So, um, here's where Anya comes in. So. We're driving to, where do we go? Food yesterday. When was I with all the kids? And you all were not. We went to the beach. Right, we went to the beach. Anya's sitting behind me. And I'm listening to the message radio, serious radio, because I have it right now in my car, and have the message is the Christian station. And there's a minute where this guy starts talking about, about God. And I, I don't remember everything he said, but I clearly remember what, what Anya said, because she said, you know, that's people that know God, but they don't know God. Anya, what, what do you mean? Well, don't partner with him. <laughs> it's like, Anya, partner with him. Anya, do you know what that means? She goes, yep, mom tells me all the time, you can know God, but if you don't partner with him, it's nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> hey, Anya, that's really true. I know, mom tells me all the time, and I know it's true. And then she said, right after that, she goes, and now I know everything. And I was... I was laughing, but when you look at these scriptures, you're going to see that what she said was like scriptural. I'm like, girl, so she's kind of going on. She's five years old. There you are. Like, we should just ride around in the car with Anya and listen to what she has to say. Pile in. <laughs> we can have a Sunday, Sunday school teaching right there. So I just, that just got me. I mean, I was already looking at this before that happened, but it just made me think even more about it. I'm like, that is so... That is so apropos, because it really is supposed to be that simple. you got to do what God tells you to do. That's what she said. When he asks you to do it, that's how you partner. I'm like, that's amazing. And, and it should be that simple. It really, it really should be. So you look at, and when you look at what Peter's saying, he's, he's trying to get everyone's focus off of him and the miracle that occurred and what they would perceive as, as godliness and as power and get it to where it belonged. And, and I know that obviously that's always how we operate as sons. It's not about us. You know, it's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about the church in Dallas. It's not about Pastor Ron. It's about God. It's about the Father and his plans and his purpose and us being dedicated to that and us having a duty that we won't let go. And sometimes people use duty as a, as a 
bad word, because I'm not saying doo-doo, but duty, as a not-so-good word, I'm just doing this out of duty. No, it's a, it's a good, positive duty that we perform as a son. We have to partner with, we have to partner with him, just like Anya said, otherwise it's nothing. You don't, you don't have any, lots of people know about God, but do a lot of people know about God? Do they, do they partner? And, you know, I'm even saying all of this, and, uh, you know, you think about um, <clears throat> the concept of being committed totally to what God's, you know, God, what God's doing. Being involved in his plan and purpose has to have an alignment within our hearts. And, and I know God is continuing to do this for all of us, and we have to submit to it. But there is a, there's a level of refining that's going on within me that is, again, still difficult. I know I said it last week. It's still, it's still, I still have to smack myself in the head because I get off in the wrong direction. And then smacking myself in the head is not exactly, you know, okay, so I can go on, but you, you follow what I'm saying. So this, this occurrence that happens here in Acts, right after this happens, in the next chapter, I say right after, but in the next chapter, 5,000 people are saved by what Peter shares about sonship. He does talk about Jesus' cross. You killed him, not being, everybody took it personally, but that's okay. You know, you're, you're the one responsible for what happened, but then they talk, he talks about that connection between you know, heaven and earth between the father and his sons. And I, I kind of, I took, I take the, the, the um, inspiration that Peter spoke forth to also be, we're not going to be like the sons of Israel that talk about God, that have flattering words on their lips, but their hearts are not for him. And it, he didn't say that, but when you look at it, it's like that kind of encouragement it's so much deeper. Is there a problem, Jocelyn? On live? I don't think so. Tell Kim to ask Rob, uh, Rob ask Robin. Say, con contact Robin and see if Robin can help her get in. Thank you. Um... So anyway, and then right after the 5,000 people are saved, just in case people think numbers means everything, right after that, in case you guys didn't know, which you might, in Acts chapter 4, guess who gets taken before the Sanhedrin after all 5,000 of those people come to know and understand the real message of sonship? Yeah, Peter and John, right? So they get taken before the Sanhedrin, and they, they realize, they realize what's happening because they just saw... 5,000 people get to a totally different level of understanding who God is. And they're like, mm, eh, eh. Right, Josiah? Eh, eh. <laughs> and you're like, well, why? I mean, what? look at all these numbers. They must be doing something right if we use the logic that they use today in this world because 5,000 people just, just really, I'll put in quotes, converted, because I'm sure they weren't saying, I'm now a Christian, I'm no longer a Jew. I don't think they were saying that. I'm just saying 5,000 people heard the message and said, wow, this is, where, this is right. This is where so the Sanhedrin are like, there goes all our offerings. There go <laughs> We're losing our power. We can't control the people. I mean, they're saying all of that kind of stuff. And so they bring Peter and John before him and say all kinds of things and say, okay, we can't really do anything to them, you know, but let's tell them not to say anything else. That's what we're going to do. We go in there. You do not speak and do not teach anymore in the name of Jesus. That's how they said it. And you guys know Peter, Peter's response. Eh. Not happening. So <laughs> this concept of, of the power, which is dunamis, and the godliness, which is the word that I... Eusebia. Thank you. Thank you very much. Easy for me to say. Um... That that and you know that is all part of what of what Peter was presenting and giving to the people, letting them know your sons, and not only that, you can move in this kind of power and in, in this kind of godliness. It's a verb. 
you can participate in the plans and purpose of God. You can function as a son in the plans and purpose of God. You can be, I mean, he's letting them know. And he started it by saying, it's not my own power. It's not my own godliness. And I think a lot, and so, you know, conflict occurs in my family um, almost daily. And now that my sister's in the hospital, it's, a, it's, it's definitely daily. I, uh, even though my mom has said it uh, upon occasion, I'm not doing enough to help my sister. So I have to take time to ask the Lord what to do. Again, now that she's in the hospital, it's an even, you know, you know, who's paying her bills? Mom's trying to take care of dad down there, down south, with, and he's only doing so-so. He's in a home now. She's on the phone almost every day trying to straighten this out, straighten out all that. So she's, it's falling upon me to try to take care of everything. And I, I don't have a ton of time, but I need to know what I'm supposed to do. So here's the thing. My mom, especially, likes to throw up into my face about this concept of godliness. Not, that's not very godly. You, you, need, you just slap Christine down, and you push her away, and my mom doesn't know the whole situation. But her concept of godliness is not the concept of godliness that we are seeing in Scripture. It's not the concept... You know, that even, even I, at some point in my walk, or even before my walk as a Christian, would say godly, godliness, and that concept. Because it's, it's more, obviously, like we said, it's not just something you label somebody with. It's, it's a verb. This word we're talking about is the action of dutifulness to God's kingdom, God's plans and purpose, God's heart. You know, that's... That's what it's about. And so how do I separate the two? I just, you just go back to the definition and pray. I mean, that's, that's, how I, that's how I start and that's how I end. Josiah, did you want to say something? You have to step up here with the microphone because the people out there in, in Facebook land, way to go, Bicky. <laughs> Is it okay? Hello? Okay. Just talk it into the microphone. I think people get confused. No, no. Look, we heard you scream, so come on. Okay. There you go. So I think people get confused with the English dictionary because of this. Because godliness looks like an adverb or an adjective, but it's a verb. Yes. Which is very confusing. (laughs) It can be. English dictionary can be very confusing. Actually, Pastor Ron talked about that in one of his teaching, recent teachings, where he said, as believers, our definition doesn't come from the English dictionary. It comes from God's Word. Are you with me, buddy? And that's why it can be confusing, which the enemy's okay with if you want to stay confused. But we're going to stay unconfused and read God's Word, aren't we? Yeah? Thank you for saying that, Josiah. Um... So, now, (laughs) page two, I'll go get it. So, we have 1 Timothy 3.16. Is is that the next scripture? Okay, because I didn't number my pages. So, in, in, in scripture, there are... Um, like I said, there's like 10 occurrences of this word. The most occurrences happens in the book of First and Second Timothy. So, <clears throat> again, here's my thought process. Who's writing to Timothy? Paul. And, and he's talking to a young pastor, a young man, who is, who is trying to get everything together in this place that is not exactly together, which there is no such thing as a place that's really together. You know, so in, in all of his writings, and we're going to look at several of them, he uses this concept, he uses this verb concept to encourage Timothy, to encourage Timothy to encourage his followers, his people, his congregation. And, and so this is just one of the places that, that he speaks on this. So first... 
I'm trying to find my scripture page. There we go. So the mystery of godliness. And so this really is the mysterion. That's what mystery is, right? The mysterion of godliness. And what an interesting thought process. So here's the thing. Me. If there's a mystery and me and Josiah can solve it before we get to the end of the radio show that we've been listening to, we will. So then it's no longer a mystery, is it? Well, how does that work when it comes to God? Because, obviously, there's a progression in how we learn about the Father and how he reveals things to us. So there's always going to be a mystery of godliness. There's always going to be this mysterion. In 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, beloved on in the world, received up into glory. That is one interesting progression. It's not a fivefold progression. I don't know, did I count right? One, two, three, four, five, six. I think I see six. I might be wrong. But there's a progression that occurs. And, and when, when Paul is speaking to Timothy about this, it's like, okay, listen up. Here's what happened for that, but here's what's going to happen for you. So there's going to be God being manifested, however that looks, in the flesh, it straight states here, but God's going to be manifested in you. Why? Because you're a son. Why? Because you are, you're, you're, you're walking in this godliness aspect. Why? Because your heart's aligned with his. Why? Because you hunger for something more than just the cross, and that's the end of the story. You're, you're a seeker. You're a seeker of truth. So there's going to be this manifestation of the Father within you. And followed quickly by, was that me? A justification in the spirit. How would you like to be, oh, Zoe and I call it zapped. How would you like to be zapped in the spirit? I'm just kidding. How would you like to be justified in the spirit? How would you like to? Good thumbs up from the back row. I mean, the concept of the spirit of God um, confirming who you are. Vicki, can you tell me what the word justified is? I know you have your Bible program open and the microphone near you. Um, Dikayo'o? Dikayo'o? Is that That's, what you want? Yes. What's the definition mean? Oh. To oh. render righteous. And we know what to righteous render. means. Go ahead, what? I'm just seeing. Oh, she's going to follow the yellow brick road. Yeah. So someone that's aligned with the vision of God. Someone that's aligned with the vision of God. I want to be that, right? That's what's going to happen. You know, and as I said, Paul's writing this to Timothy, and he's letting him know, it's a progression, Timothy. It was even that way for Jesus. It's a progression for all sons, being justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Are we seen of angels? Well, Yes. Because there's many times that we partner with angels, and we know that, especially in prayer, but I'm sure other places. But especially in prayer, Josiah, when we pray in diversity of tongues, we partner with angels and what God is doing in the earth. Next part, preached unto the Gentiles. Now, this makes it sound like you go to the people that aren't Jewish, that aren't Hebrew, of Hebrew faith, and you preach to them. So here's going to ask Vicki again because she has her Bible program out. Vicki, what does the word Gentiles mean? It's the multitude. It's really the nations. It's really the nations. So it's not like we have to go find someone who's not Jewish. and No. That's not, that's not, that's not what it means. Um, but, you know, there is going to be that measure of the euangelizo, you know, the, the good news of, of the Father, of, uh, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just a, when you say preach the gospel, it's not just preaching Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the life of Jesus. It's preaching sonship. It's speaking forth that truth. And, and hey, guess what? That's what you're going to do. That's what you're doing. That's what's happening. That's what's happened. That's what will happen. 
What's the next part? Believed on in the world. Now, let me tell you what. <laughs> what does this mean? So, believed, I, I'm pretty sure Vicky will back me up. Believed is faith, pistis, pistuo, right. So, believed on in the world. Now, Vicky, you're still helping me because I'm a little over here trying to catch up. What is on in are they words or are they italicized or whatever you know what I mean? No, believed on is one word. Pistuo, pistuo. Oh, okay. Is in the world the next one? In is just by itself. It just means in, by, or with. And then the world is separate. It's cosmos. Cosmos. So the world can also have that definition of arets, like being the actual just the earth. In that concept, the world is, is the cosmos, it's everything. It's, ever, it's the universe. So for me to believe that this earth believes in, in God in, or that Jesus came, I'm like, but for me to understand that we're talking about the universe, the whole kit and caboodle, yeah, because there's no choice. There is no, there is no other God. There is no other son. Go ahead. What's what it was created for. Right, exactly. So it's its original intent. Original intent is there. I like it when you say stuff because you say it just so good. Isn't that cool? I mean, but that's... So, that's still us. <laughs> We're still part of that big universe thing. We're still part of that, that pistuo, that pistis, the, the, the faith, because that's what it translates to as well. That is still, that is still all us as, as a son that we function in and participate in, in the universe, right? And then what's the last part? Received up into glory. Now, maybe this last part hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and yet we do have those, those moments and times where we are within the glory of God. Go ahead. Well, the glory is really the task. So this is happening now. I mean, this is the, we raise up and carry the burden of right. the task. Right, raise up. And, and that the glory is always God's, basically his hand upon, and protection and provision upon the task and upon those that are participating in the task. Right. So Josiah, when I say raise up in glory, do you not, do you, when you think about Jesus, don't you think that's when he ascended to heaven? Yeah, my concept, that's the same way I used to think too. But it is what, it is what Vicky said. There's a raising up and a participation we have in what God's doing. We rise up to do what we've been asked to do. And that's just part of the godliness definition. Go ahead, Vic. And it's interesting because the very first part, which you, you really didn't talk about, where it says without controversy. Oh, sorry. Which is, no, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it really backs up even what Josiah was saying about the confusing. Yes, it's going to be confusing to anybody that is not in agreement with the logos, which is what that means then that, that mystery of godliness is going to be confusing. And the, the chaos or the misunderstanding about it is what's going to rule the, the atmosphere, the magus. It's what's going to control yeah. the atmosphere rather than the actual... I mean, the mystery of it, it's there anyway. It's, it's going on with or without people's understanding. Right. But it's going to be just obscure to those that can't agree with what the Logos is. Right. But that's what we see, we see happening because like the, just the word love, the way the church has taken it, the way the world has taken it. True. When they try and use it from a scriptural perspective and they pull it out of context, but even pulling it out of context, it's still in this, oh, because I love you, because I care about you, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, not because I desire for you to know the identity God created you for so that you would breathe hard after him. I'm going to speak that word of truth. And yet their perspective is, oh, because you're my friend and because you're my family, I just love you. And so I'm going to do. And consent not to hold some words. So if there's somebody that's teaching other than what Paul has been writing to Timothy. And when, when I see this, I think right away, oh, we probably have churches like that around here. I, mean, I know we do, but I mean, there's, it's not just a church, I believe, 
that's teaching. Who else is teaching? In our world right now, who else is teaching this world? The enemy, how's he doing it? Are the teachers teaching the students? Or are what? Music teaching the students? TV, commercials, it's unbelievable. I try not to watch very much TV, but I was catching a little bit of something that you guys wouldn't care about, <laughs> a sporting event. And I'm looking at the commercial going, are they serious? Did they, did they really expect me to believe that if I do that, this is going to... Yeah, they do. It's a great world of manipulation out there. They're going to manipulate your emotions and your feelings and get you going a different... That's who's teaching this. That's who's teaching. Yeah, you can probably point at a church or a congregation or a teacher and go, ah, it's blasphemy or however you want to define it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not just looking at a church and saying that or even just a person. It's an overall, anything that's getting into your mind and into your heart that's teaching you something different, that's instructing you in a different way than what, the gospel, then what the scripture, then what the logos, then what the Father is saying, that's the influence that you must run away from. Is run away the right word? What did I say? Withdraw. Justin, is it, what's going on? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought something was wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I know, again, I understand that Paul's teaching to Timothy, talking to Timothy, but really, I'm like, I think I need to go through Timothy all over again. Because a lot of the stuff I'm reading in Timothy sure sounds like what's happening now. In, in, this, in our country, in this world. And it's like, I want to be encouraged like Timothy was. Because Paul, you know, he had some wisdom going on there. Right? So, um, let's see. That word, wholesome. Because that was a word that caught me. It's like, Wholesome, so, you know, leave it to beaver. That's wholesome. Wait, is that what that word's about? No. Wholesome is the word hug e ino. Don't you like that? I thought it was going to go back to hagios. It didn't. So that was interesting. And it says to have sound health. That is to be well in body. And it goes on to talk about uncorrupt or true in doctrine. And in the definition, I've got to remember this too, even the concordance is, is man's definition of words. So that's why scripture has to back up scripture. Definition of a word has to be backed up by looking at the word in other places and, and see the whole context. And, you know, a whole lot of prayer has to be along with that too. It just has to be. And so... When, when you look at that, it says, in a metaphorical way, Christians whose opinions are free from any mixture of error. And it, of one who keeps the graces and is strong is something else throwing that out there. Go ahead. Yeah. Problem what? And to remember, it's talking about the logos. Yes. That's what comes right after. That's what it's describing. It is, and... How do we, you know, back to questions asked long ago by people that Vicki and I knew, how do I know that this is really the word of God? How can I take this as truth? When we're studying scripture. Was that Kathy? I can't remember. You know, you know because God's with you. Let me say that for number one. He's within you and he speaks forth. But how often has this been proven true, the words that are in our Bible? How often are those things the real deal? I mean, I'm telling you, people that are seeking the Lord will know. Yep. I spent over an hour on the phone this past week with someone I have I have never met, and she called me because she's a friend or acquaintance of my sister, has been for years, but they've not really been close, and had this vision um, after her son passed away. It was when my sister told me what it was, it was so, it was so amazingly God inviting her to be a saint. It wasn't funny. I mean, if, if I described it to you, every one of you would know exactly what it was. And so I just shared that with Kay, who shared it back with this lady who was just, she's been looking for someone to tell her what it meant. 
for years, for 12 years. And there you were. And so she called and talked to me on the phone. And I, we spent over an hour just talking about things of sonship, elementary things, basic things. And she kept going, oh, my gosh, this is so resonating inside of me. I mean, I know that this is right. I've known there was more. See, now I knew that. I knew there had to be something more like that. And, I mean, everything I said, she would jump on like that. And that's the difference between someone that's really searching and somebody that just says, well, how am I going to know what's true? Well, if you're pursuing the Lord, I guarantee you he will be found. Yeah. If you're not and you just want someone to hand it to you, you're not going to get it even if that happens. Right. That's just the unfortunate and truth, simple but truth. that's the spiritual principle. Right. Um, Behind you. Well, and can't we all testify to that? I mean, every time we, we look at a new, anytime he brings up a new mystery and we, we start linking it back, we're like, oh, that's, what that, that's how that connects. See, there's, a, there's that string that goes all the way through. It's not disconnected. It's not that the Old Testament has nothing to do with the New Testament. It's that they're so connected and they're so intertwined, you can't separate them. Right. And it's, it, it's almost silly now thinking about how, you know, back in the day we tried to say, oh, this is the Old Testament and this is the New Testament. That you can say that, but the reality, because, you know, that 400-year gap, but the, the reality is it's one and the same. It's all the, the word of the Father. And the fact that we've got so many people that wrote it, and yet you can see how they were each tapped into the same that, that same vein of this is the logos. This is what God's saying right now. And it never deviates from what he initially said in Genesis 1.1. Yeah. The connection is there. I just thought of something else that I think is a little misconception that, not a little, you know, <laughs> I, I hear even from some saints, they think, they think that they can't wait until the, the veil is lifted from the eyes of the masses. There's nothing in Scripture that speaks to that. The, it's, not, it's always a remnant thing. It's always going to be a remnant thing. And it, it just made me realize that all the more talking to this individual, that God has placed a hunger in everybody. Whether it's ignored or whether it's pursued is up to the individual. And you might even not be looking in the right place, but you're hunting, you're searching. And God is going to reveal himself to those that are hungry and are searching. To those people that don't care, it's kind of like Esau with the birthright. You know, you've got it and you don't really care. There's, there's not going to be anything that's magnanimous that's going to happen that's going to make you care. Because that was proven even when people flocked to all the miracles. And right. then where were they? Forget miracles. How about the 500 that were standing there watching Jesus ascend mm -hmm. and some of them walked away doubting? How in the heck do you do that? <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to get it with that, so we, we, there, there doesn't need to be this continual concern over, oh, well, we've got to get all these people. I want all these people to come with me. That is not our concern. God is the one that adds. Right. We just have to be obedient to speak the truth whenever he says in that situation to do it. Right. And we have to take our hands off of the rest of it and our minds. It's really our soul nature. We've got to divorce that part from this whole thing because that's where you end up with unreasonable expectations. Yeah. And you think you know better than God. You, we would never say it that way, mm -hmm. but that's really how it comes off. Right. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking after the whole Pentecost concept and then the, the 5,000 came and they're like, well, this is the kingdom of God. I get it. And then having to go for the Sanhedrin and all this. It's like, it was really bad. And there was, oh, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then we're done. Oh, my gosh. Now we're all going to die. All right. Where is the kingdom of God? Well, it's definitely not on this earth. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's the way. That's, that's the life of a son. I mean, emotionally we go up and down. But spiritually we're like, we're up there. Because it's the enemy always contending against the work of the, the Lord. Absolutely. Every step of the way. <sighs> okay. So let's see. Um, yeah. I talked about wholesome. Vicki talked about words. And then 
we talked about the doctrine. Also more even words. Oh, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. So this is this is a doctrine that's based on our definition that we that we looked that we look at. You guys have at the top of your page. The doctrine of true devotion, adoration, respect towards God, and functioning in that as a son. To be that person that is dedicated and committed to the purpose and plan of God. That's a great doctrine to follow. I don't think you're going to be able to write everything down that's related to that and hand it to somebody and go, congratulations, you're a son, follow this doctrine. And you, and it, it's, I'm not going to say it's different with everybody, but the doctrine concept, concept, the godliness concept, is a plans and purpose of God. Do that. Well, and you can't do that because it's about relationship. Mm -hmm. And just like all of us have a relationship with you, it's not all the same. You know, how you interact with, you know, Abby and Jim is not how you interact with, you know, Larry and Vicky. And it's, you know, or mom and dad. It's <laughs> or soft and softer. Or pastor and pastor. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's all about, you know, there's, everyone's looking for a DIY. Okay, well, the DIY is, you know, there is a relationship that God wants to have with you. So when you are focused on investing in that relationship, then everything else will, will follow. And there's not an instantaneous bing, you know. Right. You know, you're, you're a son. Congratulations. Here's your card. I mean, this, yeah. it doesn't work that way. I'm a card-carrying <laughs> son of God. Does this give me access anywhere? I have my, <laughs> my sonship passport. Yes. I, <laughs> Can I have it stamped, please? It, it doesn't work. And so because it's a relationship, because it's an investment, mm -hmm. there's always going to be that challenge to invest your devotion, your adoration in something else other than the Father. Because yeah. the world wants to be, the enemy has made, you know, it's that, that world is in your face all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's always our job to keep our face, and we've been talking about this, you know, on our affection set on things above right. because the world will always be pulling to be, you know, look at me. I, I you know, this little ding, 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 ding. Are you going to ignore it? You know, or does that now become your focus? So annoying. Right. Microphone. And so, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's definitely that seeking thing. I, I can tell you, you know, I, when, back when I was at the young age of 13, I remember saying that. I know I've shared it in here. There has to be more to life than what my parents had, had told me at age 13. Yeah, no, you're just going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a house, a white picket fence. Hey, guess what? I don't have any of that. I don't have a white picket fence. I have a chain link fence. <laughs> Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore you now. The relationship I have with you is I can ignore you. Talk to the hand. Hi. And so, but I knew that there was something more. And I think that goes for all of you guys, however you got to this point that we're walking as sons, you, you know there's something more. Because life without God is miserable. Some of you may not have ever experienced that, but I have. Life without God and I don't, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back to that, trying to make things work. Trying to make things work. Try, i got to try to make that work too. Vicki? Well, this whole scripture really is a now word for what's going on because you, we don't even have to read, describe each thing in yep. verse 4 and 5. It's what we see all around us. Exactly. And what is, what is the solution to that? Godliness, true devotion, true adoration and functioning in that as a son and getting your mind aligned with that. That's what the contentment part is. Right. Is what is going to procure. That's the source of procuring whatever is needed that will influence the atmosphere for God, for righteousness. Exactly. That's exactly right. I don't have to say anything else on that page then. We'll just move on. I think, yes. Oh, that, is that word doting? Did you look at that one too, Vicki? Where is it? This is the one I thought was interesting. I'm going to say something about doting, and then we'll move on. Doting, you know, to me means you're just kind of hanging around because this is really what's going on. I'm doting on somebody. I need to, right? So the word means to be sick. Um, 
And it means to hanker after. And it means to harp on, harp upon. And it means of any ailment of the mind. And I know you guys know where I went with that, with my family. And thinking, this is, this is it. It talks about a diseased appetite. Does that define a lot of stuff in this world? They're, ap they're, they're hungry for this, but it's not. It's wrong. It's diseased. It's, it's, yeah, perverted and all the other things. Yeah. Okay. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is probably the biggest word, biggest, I mean, scripture that people use when it comes to godliness. So this knows also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Um, okay, we're there. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Uh-huh. Covetous. Uh-huh. Boasters. Proud blasphemers. Oh, proud blasphemers. <laughs> Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of what? Godliness, but denying the power thereof. And now I'm back to Anya. They know God, but they don't know God. They're not partnering. Do you know what that means, Anya? Yes. They're not doing what God's asked them to do. So they got nothing. Man, that people love to say this. You have godliness, you you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. Yeah. Do you understand what that scripture even saying? So you think about the definition of the word, and if you're not devoted and you don't have adoration, you don't have truth, you don't have respect for God, then you have all of that for something. What is that something? Um, fill in the blank. For each person, it could be different. Just like Justin said, we're all different. But it could be different for, for everyone. Most of the people buy into the world values of life, and that's what they shoot for. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> well, and when you look at that saying that people, people are really reflecting this semblance of devotion, this semblance mm -hmm. of They'll even call themselves sons of God. Absolutely. I, I've been born again, or I've been baptized. I'm a Christian, so I'm a son of God. But they're refusing the function. That really, it's not just, I mean, we look at the word power, but they're really refusing to function in that. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's talking about. Yeah, that's what, that's Those what, are the ones you're to turn away from because you're just wasting your time. Exactly. You're wasting resources, kingdom resources. It's so true. And we have so little time. And we're out of time. But we're going to leave the, read the last scripture anyway. Because godliness is a building block. And we've read through most of these words anyway. So it's okay. Second Peter 1, 1 through 8. Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, meaning we're participating in the same faith, um, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I love that order that Peter wrote that in. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Why did I not bold that? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Very, that, that's very cool. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, not just nature, the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That we do every day, escape this world. Um, and I don't mean a bad way, I mean because of this. And besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith, and here we go, we're going to build, we're having building blocks. Josiah, these are some Legos you can work with. You ready? We're going to um, add to our faith virtue, and then to our virtue we're going to add knowledge, 
And then to knowledge, we're going to add temperance. And to temperance, we're going to add patience. And to patience, we're going to add godliness. And to godliness, we're going to add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, we're going to add charity. Right, Josiah just built a very tall building over there. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so godliness in the, in the midst of all of this building block, but it's, you know, it's, almost near the, it's almost near the end when we build up to the concept of agape, isn't it? Gotta love that. <laughs> There's much more to say, but we're out of time. But all this to say, with, with, with all the things that, that we continue to work on and all the, you know, God continues to bring forth in us, it is godliness by which we live. It, it, it is, the, it's not, again, it's that verb aspect of it. Where's our devotion? Where's our affection? Where's our adoration? You know, where's our determination? Where's all of that at? And it's, it's found in the plans and purpose of God. It's found in his kingdom. It's found doing his will. And so with that, there is power. It's not just a form of godliness. It is godliness with power. Can I just add to it? Because I didn't, I, I didn't mean it to sound like we should, we should not talk to people mm-hmm. like that that aren't, that's not what I meant at all. When it says turn away, it's really talking about separating ourselves those should not be the ones that we, that we are a part of to take counsel from or to try to invest great amounts of time to, you know, God has so much for us to do with people that he has appointed us to talk to. Mm-hmm. And you can get something in your heart that you'll just like a, a dog with a bone, you know, that you won't give up. And it's really siphoning off assignments and and points of victory that God wants you to accomplish somewhere else. That's all. Right, right. No, I, I understood you, but I'm glad you clarified. We, we do have to, to go about this with, with his help. Like what I have to do for, with my sister, I have to do this with the Lord telling me which way to go. Because uh, let me tell you, it's much easier to ignore, I'm just saying, but I can't ignore because it's not, it's not about being easy. It's about doing what God says. So, Father, uh, this is a very short prayer, Lord. We all desire you and your heart and your agape. Amen. (laughs) That's short. (laughs) Declaration.